The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We began studying this psalm last Sunday evening as we looked at the first three verses of Psalm 23 and learned just a great deal about our God and Shepherd. But we recognize that we as modern urbanites may miss quite a bit of the import of this psalm because we're not shepherds. And because of that, we're not very familiar with some of the imagery and meaning behind the figures used in this psalm. And so we were using the work of a man who was a shepherd and brought up among shepherds in East Africa. His name was Philip Keller. He wrote a book entitled, The Shepherd's, uh, Shepherd Explains the 23rd Psalm. And he was helping us, as we return to some of the things that he said, understand some of these pictures. And that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to continue and finish up this psalm looking at the second half of Psalm 23. We're going to notice Psalm 23, verses 4 through 6. And as we pointed out last week, we recognize that there's a bunch of us here listening to this psalm. And we're all going to be hearing it with different ears. There are, of course, going to be those of us who are listening as sheep within the fold of Christ, being reassured about how wonderful and amazing our Shepherd is. Some are going to be listening as sheep in the fold of Christ, recognizing that this psalm says as much about our responsibility as sheep as it does about the work of the shepherd. There are going to be some who are listening as sheep within other folds that want to come into the fold of Christ and have the good shepherd. And of course, there are also going to be those who are listening as shepherds within a congregation or within their home who are seeing the example of the good shepherd and how he leads and what he does and setting the role model for us as shepherds in our homes and within congregations. And we're going to continue this study tonight and we'll notice that there are two interesting shifts that take place as we move into verse 4 of Psalm 23. The very first shift you'll notice by reading through verses 1 through 3, it's as though the sheep is talking to other sheep. He's talking about God in the, in the third person. He does this. He does that. He concludes verse 3 with, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And then turns around and in verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Now, instead of talking to the sheep that are around him, he's now talking to the shepherd himself. What an amazing relationship this sheep must have to be able to talk with the shepherd himself. And yet, that's the kind of relationship that we have with our shepherd. He allows us to come to Him and talk to Him and to lay our concerns out before Him and to let Him know what's going on in our lives and in our minds. That's how good our shepherd is, that the lowly sheep can come and talk to Him and converse with Him. The second shift is one that would be more noticeable to those who are indeed shepherds. 
to those who recognize and understand how the raising of sheep works. In fact, Mr. Keller describes this shift to us. He says that both in Palestine and on our western sheep ranches, this division of the year is common practice. Most of the efficient sheepmen endeavor to take their flocks onto distant summer ranges during summer. This often entails long drives. The sheep move along slowly, feeding as they go, gradually working their way up the mountains behind the receding snow. By late summer, they are well up on the remote alpine meadows above Timberline. Here are the sheep as they're in the fold with the shepherd down in the lower lands. And as this sheep talks about being led in paths of righteousness, we're now actually going along with them as they're being led, and as the sheep is being driven along by the shepherd up to the higher tablelands in the mountains for the summer, and we're able to witness this intimate conversation that the shepherd has, that the sheep has with this shepherd, now that they're on their journey. And that's what we see happening here in Psalm 23. And we want to look at this conversation and what it means for us. The very first thing that the sheep says is, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. As we pointed out just a moment ago, the sheep are being taken up to the high tablelands, the lush vegetation up there during the summer, and yet one problem is, these shepherds can't airlift the sheep up there. They've got to get them up from the lowlands to the highlands in some way, and the easiest way for them to do it is to take them up through the valleys. The reason for that is it's got the easiest grades for the sheep to climb, it's got the best water sources, and it's got the best grazing ground. And so the shepherd knows this is the way he's going to take his sheep to get to those tableland pastures up in the mountains. And yet, while they're going to a great place, they're going to go through a lot of danger to get there. And so these valleys, David calls the valley of the shadow of death. Death is constantly looking down on them as they're going through these valleys. Listen to what he says. Mr. Keller says this, all the dangers of rampaging rivers and floods, avalanches, rock slides, poisonous plants, the ravages of predators that raid the flock, or the awesome storms of sleet and hail and snow were familiar to him. He had handled his sheep and managed them with care under all these adverse conditions. Nothing took him by surprise. He was fully prepared to safeguard his flock and tend them with skill under every circumstance. As traveling through these valleys, dangers loomed on every hand, and yet the shepherd was there to protect them. The shepherd was there to protect against outside attack of wolves and wildcats and mountain lions and predators. The shepherd was there to look out for poisonous plants along the way and steer the sheep away from that. The shepherd was there to huddle the sheep up against the face of a cliff whenever a storm would come on and threaten. The sheep could never make this journey by themselves. But the sheep were not alone. The shepherd was there to protect them. And David says that is the relationship he has with his shepherd. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't fear any evil. Because you're with me. You comfort me. Don't we all want to make it to the tablelands? Don't we all want to make it to the higher ground? As we sang just moments ago. 
Look at the number of people that served God, that made it to higher ground. The blessings that God gave them, and yet how many of them had to walk through the valley of the shadow of death to get there. Take a look at Moses, who became the leader of God's people Israel. And yet along the way, he had to flee Egypt in fear of his life and spent 40 years as a shepherd under his father-in-law. What about Jacob, who fled for his life from his brother because of his own deceit and then spent years in service to his lying father-in-law before he became the father of a great nation? What about Joseph? who became the leader, second in command in Egypt, one of the greatest nations that ever dwelt on the face of the earth. And yet before he got there, he was a slave and a prisoner. And what about David, who wrote this psalm, who, yes, became king of Israel. But look at the troubles he had in his family prior to. And the king that constantly hounded him and chased him before he was finally appointed king. All of these men made it to the higher ground, the blessing that God had for them. But before they got there, they all walked through the valley of the shadow of death. But God was with them. And please note very importantly that this passage in Psalm 23 is not talking about dying. We use this psalm at funerals. And I think we should because it's comforting. But it's not talking about dying. Notice he talks about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Not dying there. He's going through it, starting on one side and comes out on the other. He's talking about living through the dangerous times, the enemies prowling about, ready to attack. But this passage is telling us that we can lean on God and trust Him to deliver us from all manner of attacks from Satan. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. The Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. He says, don't covet... Be content with what you've got. But he's not saying be content with the material possessions you have. He goes on to say, For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? My shepherd is with me. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death with predators looming about, storms on the horizon, I'm with my shepherd. And so I'm not going to see him. And he goes on to say, because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff were very specific tools that were used by the shepherd to accomplish his job. The rod and the staff were things that represented comfort to David as a shepherd. Now note, very interestingly, how these two pieces of equipment were used. 
The fact that David says, your rod comforts me is very striking because the rod, of course, would would be what is used most for discipline. And yet David says, your rod comforts me. Mr. Keller tells us that the rod of the shepherd was typically a young sapling that had been pulled up and one end of it was carved to be able to fit in the hand and the other end was carved into a little knob or a ball that could be used to strike things with. And he points out that this rod was used typically in three ways. Number one, as we said, for discipline. Listen to what Mr. Keller says about its use. He says, I could never get over how often and with what accuracy the African herders would hurl their knob carries, is what he calls them, that's the rod, their knob carries at some recalcitrant beast that misbehaved. If the shepherd saw a sheep wandering away on its own or approaching poisonous weeds or getting too close to danger of one sort or another, the club would go whistling through the air to send a wayward animal scurrying back to the bunch. How would you like to get hit by one of those? used for discipline. It's also used for protection. This would be what the shepherd would use to strike at at predators and attackers as they came into the fold. In fact, if you look in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 17, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 34 and 35, David said to Saul in 1 Samuel 17.34, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Catching it by its beard, he's a little bit too close to be using the sling. More than likely, he was using his rod. Struck it and killed it. He's used to protect the flock. And thirdly, Mr. Keller says, the rod is used for inspection. Because of the thick wool on a sheep, it's hard to tell what its actual physical condition is. And so it's often, the rod was often used to push and pull apart the wool to be able to actually look at the body. Look at Ezekiel chapter 7. In Ezekiel chapter 7, the Scripture there points out to us, excuse me, chapter 20 and verse 37. In Ezekiel chapter 20 and verse 37, it uses the rod in this manner. He says, I will make you pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. He's saying, I'm going to inspect you. I'm going to examine you and bring you into the covenant. That's the imagery that this rod was being used for. Inspection, examination. Well, when we consider David, of course, we can recognize why he would take comfort in the rod of inspection. Why he would take comfort in the rod of protection. But the rod of discipline? That's phenomenal. Especially when you consider what form the rod of discipline took in David's life. Remember the sin with Bathsheba? As God disciplined him, what did that entail? The child died. His family had troubles from that point onward because of what had happened. God disciplined him. And yet this David who had gone through that discipline says, your rod 
comforts me. How can he do that? Because David was a shepherd. And David understood how great discipline really is. Look in Hebrews chapter 12. In Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 7, the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 12 and verse 7, If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us who seemed best to them. But He for our profit, that we may be partakers of His holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. God's discipline is painful. Being one of God's children sometimes hurts. But in the end, we know it's good for us. It trains us up under righteousness. And David understood that. And could say the rod, not only of inspection and protection, but discipline, that comforts me. Because I know where it's leading me leading me to righteousness. But the staff. The staff also a tool. The tool we're probably most familiar with. In fact, even the picture that I found. You see the picture of the staff right there. Here's this long, slender walking stick with the hook on the end. And of course, it is used as a walking stick as he's walking up the trail, going up through the mountains. But that's not its real important use when it comes to shepherding. Mr. Keller points out to us that the staff is used for four very powerful reasons. Number one, the staff is used to draw the sheep closer to one another. If there are sheep that are starting to wander away from the fold, the shepherd will reach out with his staff and hook it onto him and pull him back into the closeness of the group. Also points out that if a sheep is lambing and the lamb is born, the shepherd will use that staff to pick the, the lamb up and set it with the mother. Because if he were to grab it with his hands and the sheep smelled the human on the lamp, it disowned the sheep, disowned the lamb. And so it draws them closer together. Secondly, the staff was used to draw the sheep closer to the shepherd himself. Mr. Keller points out that sometimes I have been fascinated to see how a shepherd will actually hold his staff against the side of some sheep that is a special pet or favorite, simply so that they are in touch. Drawing that sheep into himself to demonstrate the relationship. Also used at times to draw that sheep in. He's going to use the rod to inspect it. He's going to use the staff to bring the sheep to him so that he can inspect it. Thirdly, the staff is used for guiding the sheep. Mr. Keller wrote again and again, I've seen a shepherd use his staff to guide his sheep gently into a new path or through some gate or along dangerous, difficult routes. He does not use it actually to beat the beast. Rather, the tip of the long slender stick is laid gently against the animal's side and the pressure applied guides the sheep in the way the owner wants it to go. And so the staff would be used to direct them along these paths of righteousness. And fourthly, the staff would be used to rescue the sheep. 
We learned last week that sheep are pretty stubborn. And sometimes sheep, seeing another mouthful of grass right over here, will push its way into a bush or a bramble that it can't get out of. Or maybe even over as it starts to slide down a cliff because there's a little grass out there. And the shepherd can use the staff to rescue that sheep from its own undoing. No wonder David could look at the staff and say, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's comforting to know that the shepherd will draw us into him and draw us into one another and guide us with his staff and rescue us from our own undoing. The rod and the staff are a comfort. And they figure for us God's Word, which indeed protects us from the attacks of the enemies, inspects and examines our hearts as we compare our lives to what's written. It disciplines us as it rebukes us for our wrongdoing. It draws us closer to one another as we studied and learned how to love one another. It draws us closer to Christ as we spend time in God's Word and increase our faith. It guides us in paths of righteousness if we'll just study it and do what it says. And it will even rescue us from our own undoing if we'll repent and go back to what God says. No wonder Paul in Acts chapter 20 and verse 32 commended us to God's Word. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 32, Paul said in Acts 20:32, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the Word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear evil because God is with us and He won't leave us. And we have His rod and staff that can comfort us. And as the sheep continued to talk with His shepherd, He said, Thou dost prepare a table before Me in the presence of My enemies. Now the first time I ever read this, let me tell you what I pictured in my mind. I imagined being in a big banquet hall. And... and Chicken and roast beef and rolls and casseroles and pretty much like a potluck if some of you ladies were cooking. It'd just be awesome. And then there's all my enemies on the other side of the room just sitting over there drooling because they can't have it. That's kind of the picture that I had of this psalm. But that's not what he's really talking about. He's not talking about a table that you and I would use to eat. He's talking about the table that the sheep would use for eating. He's talking about the tablelands that they're traveling to as they go through these valleys to get up to the to the, the, the upper higher ground and grazing ground up there. And the shepherd as the sheep says to the shepherd, You prepare my table for me in the presence of my enemies. Mr. Keller talks about what this takes. Listen to how much work it takes to prepare the table for the sheep. Early in the season, even before all the snow has been melted by spring sunshine, he will go ahead, that is, the shepherd will go ahead and make preliminary survey trips into this rough, wild country. He'll look it over with great care, keeping ever in mind its best use for his flock during the coming season. 
Then, just before the sheep arrive, he'll make another expedition or two to prepare the table land for them. He takes along a supply of salt and minerals to be distributed over the range at strategic spots for the benefit of the sheep during the summer. The intelligent, careful manager will also decide well ahead of time where his camps will be located. Excuse me, so the sheep have the best bed grounds. He goes over the range carefully to determine how vigorous the grass and upland vegetation is. At this time, he decides whether some glades and basins can be used only lightly, whereas other slopes and meadows may be grazed more heavily. He'll check to see if there are poisonous weeds appearing, and if so, he'll plan his grazing program to avoid them or take drastic steps to eradicate them. Another task the attentive shepherd takes in, on in the summer is to keep an eye out for predators. He'll look for signs and spore of wolves, coyotes, cougars, and bears. If these raid or molest the sheep, he'll have to hunt them down or go to great pains to trap them so that his flock can rest in peace. Often what actually happens is that these crafty ones are up on the rim rock watching every movement the sheep make, hoping for a chance to make a swift, sneaking attack that will stampede the sheep. Then one or other of the flock is bound to fall easy prey to the attacker's fierce teeth and claws. That's what the sheep's facing on this table land. And yet David, as the sheep, says, you prepare the table in the presence of my enemies. I know they're out there, but you're watching out for me. You're getting the table land ready so that I can feed and graze in safety, even as the enemy looks on and can't do anything about it. That's our shepherd. He's prepared the table and forth, even in the presence of our enemies. You remember what Peter said about our enemy in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8? In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, Peter said, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. There's our enemy roaming about, roaring, trying to scare us into paralysis so he can attack us. Looking on. But our shepherd has prepared our table in the presence of the enemies. And our enemy can't do anything about it. Jesus Himself told His disciples about His preparation for them to make it to the higher ground. Talking about the ultimate blessing of heaven. In John chapter 14 and verse 1. In John chapter 14 and verse 1, as Jesus was preparing these men for the valley of the shadow of death, He pointed out that He, had, he was preparing for them. John 14:1 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. When Jesus said He was going to prepare a place for us, for these disciples, He wasn't saying that He was heading up to heaven to, to dust off the coffee table and air out the drapes so that the mansions would be ready. What He's saying is, I'm preparing the way. 
by His death and His burial and His resurrection, He has prepared the way for us to get to the higher ground of heaven. In the very face of our enemies, and Satan could do nothing to stop it. That's how great our shepherd is. 